1: Chris Kiefer Welcome everybody to the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer- Tested podcast presented by Fly Racing and Race Tech. Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs and, street bikes, low prices, unparalleled customer service and free three-day shipping over 75 bucks. It's easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the premier shopping destination for all of us out there. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you to our advertisers and of course, Fly Racing and Racetech. Fly Racing makes the best gear out there. Why? Because I wear it 95% of the time. Light hydrogen gear. Oh, and the new Formula helmet. Hmm. Have you guys looked at that? If you haven't, go to KeeferIncTesting.com and read all about it. It is available now. They come in many different colors. They come in youth sizes. So please, read up on it. There's some great technology. And of course, it's tough to get a premium helmet from a gear company. It's been a long time since we've seen that. And Fly Racing has been pushing the envelope to do this. And it is here. Formula Helmet. Check it out. KeeferIncTesting.com. Racetech, racetech Racetech.com, we are doing a Honda CRF250R project with Racetech, not just the suspension, but we are also doing an engine modification. You know why? Because they have a full-blown engine shop at Racetech. Did you know that? I'm sure you did because you listened to this podcast, but if you didn't, they do. And of course, they have gold valves, been around for a long time. Paul Feed knows a thing or two about suspension, and I've tried their stuff before, and I've gave them grief. You've listened to me talk about it. I gave them grief about four or five years ago, but they have turned it around, and they make some great stuff, have great settings. So check them out, racetech.com. This podcast, this episode, I don't know what number we're on. I think we're on 10, I want to say 104 or 105. This podcast is all about the 2019 Husqvarna FC350. Man, I can't believe I've done over 100 podcasts. Yeah, me neither. That voice you hear, that soft, gentle giant over there is Matt Suravag. He's my buddy. He lives close to me. He's been a part of what we're doing for a couple years now. He's basically my resident, I want to say handyman, I guess. Average Joe. He's learning how to write better. And Matt is going to do an article on this bike. But Matt is your everyday, average guy that goes to work, thinks about dirt bikes... Comes home, kisses his wife and children, thinks about dirt bikes, (laughs) (laughs) eats dinner with his family, and then goes into his garage and works on dirt bikes. So it's safe to say the percentage of your mind, okay, that if we're putting a percentage pie, we're going to use Steve's, you know.
0: Percentage pie. Percentage
1: pie. How, in that pie, how much space is there for dirt bikes?
0: A good... Any given part of the day, 80%, but that can be up to 95 very quickly. Okay,
1: let's say you're not working and you're at home just hanging out. What's the percentage pie of dirt bikes then?
0: Oh, 95%. Okay,
1: so there you go, people. You kind of get what we're trying to do here. He loves to ride dirt bikes. He purchased a... You know, purchases a new dirt bike every
0: two to three years, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll like get itch every year, but typically every other year, I like to buy a new bike.
1: Yeah, so we wanted to do this podcast because I get a lot of questions about: Am I right for a three fifty? A three fifty is kind of on their own island. People don't know if they trust if it has enough power. Is um, it have enough torque? Hey, I'm a bigger rider at 200 pounds. Will this suffice? Um, or even still, like younger guys hit me up, hey, should I get a 350? I'm not that great of a rider. I don't want all that power. We're going to give you both sides of the fence here because, for me, I love having a 450 power, and we're going to find out what Matt likes. He has a Honda CRF450R 2019, and he's never – well, you ridden a 350 one other time.
0: Yeah, right? last year for about uh, one or two rides, I rode right. a three fifty last year. Yes.
1: So he spent a lot of time on this Husqvarna FC three fifty, and we're just going to talk to him and maybe get some settings, get some ideas. We're gonna, I'm gonna shoot you guys some things that I feel like for me because obviously I've been riding a long time and I like to have as much power as I can because I can ride it smoother. So. Andy Jefferson was kind enough to let us use this test bike. It has sprinkled some Husqvarna hard parts on it. It has triple clamps, an FMF system, uh, Husqvarna slave cylinder, pro taper um, gearing. But anything else we missed?
0: No, I think that's about it. Besides that, she's she's stock.
1: Yeah. So in stock form, how is this engine for you? Before we get to the
0: comparison, just give me the how does this thing run? It runs very well. Um, definitely better than I thought it would run, especially with my ability and my weight. I thought it'd be— Why don't lot- you rip
1: that off for people right now? So what's your ability
0: and weight? My ability? I would say B-rider, novice on moto, and uh, 210 pounds butt naked.
1: Right. So he, he's built like a shit brick house. It's, he's Norwegian, right? That's so right. So he's just all just thick. He's not fat. He's just big. Just thickness.
0: Yeah. But you are you have
1: average, what, 10 feet? 10? Size yeah. 10?
0: Size 10, yes, sir.
1: Okay, so where's 34 pant? 30, 34
0: pant, large jersey. 210 pounds, people. Okay. If I squeeze in, I can get into a 32, but they look like spandex. Right. So getting off of a 450, and now you're on this
1: FC350, do you feel like you have enough engine for you, to, one, to have fun, two, to get around the track at speed.
0: Now, to have fun, 100% yes. Plenty of motor. Okay. Now, I'd say good 98% of the time, I feel like I have plenty of motor. There is a couple times here and there where you're like, ah, 450-like motor or torque would be nice, but and no, and very what type, rare.
1: What type of condition is that?
0: Like Deep, loamy corners. Deep sand corners every now and then. If I don't flow through and I do like a pivot and stop, I kind of feel like I need that torque or – in a burmy corner, burmy, yeah. Every now and then, mm-hmm. you know, if it just kind of bogs the bike down, but very seldom. Like it's very rare that I've thought, "Man, ah, 450." So right. it's it's got plenty of power for what you need. Um now we're
1: going to try to do some comparison. We'll just start with the comparison with the engine. So for me, okay, an experienced rider, raised professionally, when I get on a 350 for me, I have to ride it like more of a 250F style, which isn't bad for me. But I like to have a 450 power so I can run third gear in corners. I can be smoother because that's how I ride. So a 350 doesn't really fit my type of riding. So when I watch you ride... And I've been around you a a long time, and I've seen you ride, um, you were on Yamahas before this 450, and then you got this Honda, and now you're riding this 350. It just seems like you're you're a little bit more relaxed. You can ride it a little bit harder. Um, How do you feel compared to riding your Honda?
0: I feel looser on the bike, not so timid of the power and the weight. You know, definitely coming into corners where the Honda, you know me, I'm kind of, sometimes I look like a stick. You know, I'm just stiff and not really flowing with the bike. And on the Honda coming into corners i'm 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 always stressing and what's the bike can do ah, it's it's heavy with the three fifty I can roll in I can break late break early and I just have that comfort of just rolling through the whole corner and I can I'm not so tense on the bike like it's gonna get away from me right um now
1: when i we talk about third gear roll on you're in second gear in corners mostly with the three fifty correct
0: good ninety percent of the time yes but you're gear. also
1: in second gear on your Honda as well. Nothing's really changed there for you.
0: It has not changed. Yeah, today I went out on my Honda for a small little moto just to get a back-to-back comparison, and yes, I was second gear just like I was on the 350 uh, going through all my corners.
1: um Where do you, when we go ride the, these bikes at these different tracks, and you rode the 350 at you know at some of these tracks in the High Desert that we ride? We have sand tracks, we have this hard-packed clay track, we have rough tracks. We also went to some, you know, close course motocross parks, sunrise, things like that. Do you is this something that you feel like, hey, we're going to drop the gate, we're going to go race. This has enough power for you to do as well, if not better?
0: Yeah, I honestly feel that way cuz where maybe I lack in some of that horsepower, I make up in in the corners. My cornering, I believe and I feel is faster and better and Like we all know, all your time is made up in corners, not on straightaways where everyone can pin it. Right.
1: What about map switch? What what map are you mostly in riding on the 350?
0: I am actually in map two. Okay. The other day I went to map one, and the power did pull longer, a little farther, but to me it felt like it lacked a little bit of that 450-ish grunt coming out of a corner. Yeah. And that's where I kept it. I tried traction control a couple times, and you know, with as good as the dirt has been, You know, it hasn't really worked to my benefit.
1: Now, what about top-end pulling power? We
0: obviously know 450s are very fast,
1: but how fast is this 350?
0: It's very fast, especially once you get to low to mid. You know, it's got a very good hard pull transition, and it over-revs pretty well. Not as far as the 250Fs, which we just rode not that long ago. Right. So there's been a couple times I wish I had a little more over-rev, and it kind of did lose that with the FMF exhaust on there mm-hmm. over the stock. Okay. But I feel like in the mid is where it makes the meat of its power, you know, rather than down low or up in the very high RPM.
1: So for you guys listening out there, you have to understand, of course, you're not going to have as much torque as a 450. Now, with the 350 compared to a 250, you're getting increased RPM response and increased grunt. And when I mean my grunt out of a corner, just that snap, that roll on right immediately from the mid-corner out, you're getting more meat than a 250. 250 is kind of a hollow feel through that area of a corner. But with a 350, you're kind of filling that gap. It's just not as much as a 450. And when I ride a 350, I feel like, and this is is me personally, and and you can rebuttal if you want, Matt, but I feel like a 350 on top is damn near... The same as a 450. Once I'm on the gas wide open, and I'm talking about 100% throttle, I feel like it's comparable to a 450 and not comparable to a 250.
0: Yeah, exactly. And especially going back to back between the two bikes, you know, that 450 out of the corner was, you know, a little much. But then once you got mid to top, they pulled just as hard. They both pulled the front end up and yeah, it was, they were very similar. Um, Let's move on to the chassis feel compared to a 450.
1: Um, obviously we know Hondas are a little bit rigid. And also, you know, coming in 2018, 2019, these steel frames are getting a little bit stiffer. Um, I've explained this in my in my living with 50 hours on the KTM. So, this, the frames have changed for 2019. They got a little bit um, more rigidity, 10% increase. And for me, you do feel that through the corners. I feel like the bike is lighter, especially the 350. And I feel like With the increased power that 350 has recently, and along with that little bit of rigidity increase, I just feel like the bike dropped 5 pounds. It feels really light and flickable and just fun to ride. Now, what I noticed when I went to my KTM and I rode it longer and it has 50 hours, and I don't even know how 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 many hours are on the Husky, but I don't feel like these bikes, the steel frame bikes, are getting as clapped out. Like, seriously, like, the older versions, 2017 frames, 50 hours felt like 140 hours on a Yamaha. Like, it was that quick. And now I feel like, hey, I got 50 hours on the steel chassis. Um, it still has—actually, has better straight-line stability than it did when I first got it. But coming from you, from a Honda that's rigid, now coming from the steel chassis, how does it handle in, on the track?
0: To me, it handles a lot better— Like you said, it feeling light. Um, My biggest, I guess you'd say, issue with cornering is that initial tip-in lean coming into corners where I'm kind of tense on the 450. This thing just, it lays over so easy that I can screw up a corner coming in. It still lays over and stays in the rut start to finish where it's real hard for me to do that on the 450 with the power. And especially with the chop, like acceleration bumps coming out, I feel like I have more comfort than I do on my Honda. Okay. So it doesn't transition to me quite as much. Um, lightweight feel on the track? Extremely lightweight feeling, and that's probably why I loosen up on this bike You know, more than I do on the bigger bike. is just It just feels light, so I feel more comfortable with laying it over and pointing and shooting this thing wherever I want to.
1: Right. So bump absorption for me on this bike, and I've spent some time on it, and just 350s in general – always feel better than, let's say, a KTM 450 or even an FC 450. I even purchased a Rockstar Edition, and bump absorption on a 350 just feels better. Now, weight on paper, dude, I think it's a one-pound difference, one to two pounds. It's nothing. But like I said, it feels like five to six pounds compared to a 450. Just the rotating mass, I feel like, is just a lot freer. Um, a 450, my Rockstar Edition has a little bit more, what I like to say, like a tractor ish kind of chugging out of a corner. This has a more 250F like freer feeling. It doesn't pitch as much coming into corners. And I do like, like what you say, I concur. I feel like entrance for me on a 350 is much easier. I can lay it in. Um, but if we are comparing, you're comparing a Honda and I'm comparing my Rockstar Edition. They feel similar to me once out of the corner, just like acceleration. All that feels similar, but initial lean for me is better on a 350. Like I, I like I say, I think it's just rotating mass. Um, is there one thing negative that you don't like chassis
0: wise on the bike? I, you know it's hard for me to tell with, with chassis stuff being, you know I'm I i do not test as much as you do. So if I had a, say identical bike, identical frame, it was aluminum or steel. I'm not sure if I would really notice the difference. It's hard for me to distinguish whether it's a chassis feel or a suspension feel that's right. rigid or soft or, or what it's doing. So on that one, I can't give a whole lot of info on that one.
1: Is the Honda, too, Is it, well, since we're on that subject and we can touch on this too, is the CRF450 fifty
0: R a a rigid feeling bike to you? As a whole, yes, and that's hard for me to decipher is chassis or suspension because – over small chop and a lot of that stuff, it really does come and feed back through you through your arms and feet right. more than it did on this Husky, You know, especially going back to back. So to me, I'd say yes.
1: Um, suspension. We're going to move on to that. So
0: air fork life. Obviously,
1: you've uh, been on Spring Fork and Showa makes some, some good stock stuff on the Honda. I think the frame holds that whole bike back. So I think people think, ah, it's the fork, but the fork's actually pretty good. Um, but on this Husqvarna, we have WPAER fork, and then we have the shock. So, give me some some thoughts about the suspension on the bike. Being that you're 210 pounds,
0: so I rode it at the uh, stock air pressure, stock clickers, and um, to me, it, it real felt real harsh in the fork. The fork was just it didn't absorb everything too much. So I was okay. My weight, and we you know, we typically go to heavier springs. So let's add air. So I went up to 10.8 bar and kept the the clickers where they were and it definitely held up better because of my weight it wasn't sitting down in the stroke so after that i felt like it had a real springy like a spring effect you know you'd hit a g out or hit something and it would spring right back up so then i ended up at my final setting here was uh out 10 on the compression and out nine on the rebound and And
1: then the air pressure
0: the air pressure is still at 10.8. Okay. I went up because I think stock is 10.5. Yes, 10.5 is stock. 10.5 bar. Yeah. So I went up, and uh it actually made the bike a lot more compliant everywhere. The front wasn't as divey coming into corners when I was hard on the brakes. And it actually absorbed a lot of that small chop a lot better. But then I got into a feeling to where the mid-stroke was real harsh to me. So small chop. Handled it real well, was comfortable, but then it got in that mid-stroke, and that's where it felt, like, harsh to me. Like, it really ramped up real fast how stiff it got.
1: So, for you guys listening also, too, so experience for me, when you go up on air pressure on this kind of fork, let's say Matt just went up basically a spring and a half, let's say. So, every two pounds of pressure is one spring rate, but bars are obviously different. So, going from 10.5 to 10.8, you're basically almost going two spring rates. Which is a lot, right? But again, he's two hundred and ten pounds. So what you guys can do if you're if you're anywhere I when I run this fork, I usually always start at ten point five and I increase the compression. That's usually a pretty happy medium for me. Yes, I do bottom out on some G outs and on some deep like landings, some transitions, but I'll I'll take that for braking bump comfort and acceleration chop comfort acceleration chop comfort for me is when you accelerate down a corner and your fork is light and hitting the tops of those bumps, you're not getting any deflection. So I ran 10.5 bar and then I increased my compression. So don't be scared to hit that knob on your fork and turn it four clicks and see what that does and see if that helps you. Now, if you feel like, hey, I still need some more, then go in increments of 0.1. Don't go to 10.5 to 10.8. I always go to 10.5, okay, turn in the compression, all uh, right, it's not working. Go back out on the compression, turn it to stock, then go 10.6 and work your way from there. Always do it like that so you never get lost. You're like, okay, now I went to 10.6. It holds up a little bit better, but I still need more. Okay, I'm going to crank it in. That's too much. You can go back down. And then also, too, don't forget about your rebound. Every time you go two to three com- you know, clicks on your compression... You might want to open up your rebound to make it a little bit quicker. So you're actually stiffening up your fork, which means your fork is going to move slower. So it might feel a little bit harsh. So opening it up, which is faster on your rebound, might help the action a little bit more. might be confusing, but it takes some time. If you guys don't know, go back to the podcast archives and listen to, I think, show number eight is uh, Suspension 101. We kind of talk about clickers, Rebound, compression, all that shit. I'm sure you were part of that.
0: Yes, yes, I was. And uh, (laughs) this is the first time on a bike I've actually been making adjustments. Like you said, I I went up 0.1, 0.1 until I ended up at 10.8. I tried 0.9, it was too much. And even with the compression, I went in four clicks. You know, once I added air, I came out two, and it made a world, it made a huge difference on the comfort on this fork. Now, now you had some time on an air fork. Yes. Is this fork that bad? No. Right. No. After you kind of tailor it to you and, you know, play with the air, rebound, compression, and get it where you like it. Like, uh, I had the old air fork. I had a 14 Honda and 13 Cali That was
1: the worst air fork ever made.
0: Not good. Right. And at the time, like, ah, best fork out there. No. No, it sucks. And this is really good. Like, you don't need to go pay to have springs put in it. Right. You just add air, you know. You're at a different check, take some air out.
1: Right. So, You guys know I am not a fan of air forks. I'm a spring guy, but I do spend a lot of time on the AER fork because obviously I rode with the Husqvarna Rockstar Edition fork before I got some cone valves. I spent time on this KTM, 50 hours on this KTM. Most of that was with on air fork. It does take take some time to transition. It does have a different feel, and I try to explain it to people. It's like a balloon, and if you don't know what that means, it's like – you know how you blow up a balloon and it's easy, then it gets hard, and then it gets easy again? That's kind of like the air fork feeling. But once you get a feel of that and you can kind of feel your front end, and you can, like you said, you can tailor make how you want to ride your bike. If you want to be a front end steering guy, you might want to soften it up a little bit. And if you're riding long distances, longer motos, might want to start your air pressure a little lower. So yeah, it's a little bit more of a pain in the ass. But I guess the juice is kind of worth the squeeze in the way that you can get it to be where it's comfortable. Honestly, this AER fork, to me, is better than a couple other forks out there on the market. That leads to my question. What's better? Your Honda fork? Obviously, I know you have a kit before because it lets you borrow that. But your stock production fork on your Honda or this AER fork?
0: If we're going apples to apples, stock to stock here, I would say the Air Fork. Okay. For one reason is that I am way too much for the Honda Fork. Okay. So right out of the box, I'm kind of stuck with just clickers, you know, which then makes the suspension really stiff, but it'll still blow through or bottom out with my weight. Where with the Air Fork, I feel like I can get the same comfort out of it. But yet, I can get that hold-up and bottoming resistance by adding air. Without having to go get springs. Yeah, without taking anywhere and being out of commission for a week or two and costing you more money. Yeah, God forbid if you're out of commission for a week or two without a dirt bike. Oh, I'd be done. I'd, the wife would hate me. Yeah. So
1: let's get to the shock, the rear of this bike. Um, 105 sag, uh,
0: I, or where you at? I put it 106. Okay. 106 sag, and I kept the clickers, which I can't remember where they were stock, but that's right. I kept it at – and my problem was with my weight, especially on exits of corners, it was really squatting a lot and making the front end really light coming out of corners. So what I did was I ended up going in on the compression three or four clicks. I ended up at 11 out, which helped it stand up a little bit. But then it was still – I wanted a little more of a dead feel. So I also went in and uh, on the rebound. I ended up at 9 out. Okay. Which was pretty good, but still had that squatty feel. It took a lot of the uh, square edge bumps. And actually, was pretty pleasant to ride over the square edge bumps. You know, it wasn't harsh, didn't kick the bike around. But I still had that problem on exit of corners. It would really just squat down, and I'd lose that front end traction. So I would go quarter turn in on the high speed, quarter turn, quarter turn. And right now, I'm only one turn out on the uh, high speed. And I feel like I could still go more. But a lot of this might help out if I just had a spring for my weight on the right. back of so the thing. Right, so
1: that's about where I was let, kind of going to lead this. So when you're talking to me, and, and Matt never really told me where he went. He just kind of went in the studio, and here we are, right? So as he's speaking to me, it just sounds like you need more spring.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: So being 210 pounds, you probably could go up one spring rate and yeah. get the balance of the bike even better, especially if you're going 10.8 on the on the fork. Yes. So if you're a larger fellow out there listening to this, just know that you will have to get a rear spring, and we will. What we will do for the article, this 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 whole thing right here will be up on keyfrinktesting.com as an article, and we'll get you the spring rate, and I'll get you an optional spring rate that you guys should go to, um, but for sure to get the balance key, and that's, and that's key for every motorcycle. You can't have an unbalanced bike because that's going to lead to lower, um, I'm sorry, higher lap times, you being uncomfortable, not having fun with your bike. Um, so I'm sure where you're leading is going to be, we're going to try to get you a heavier spring.
0: Yes, that is definitely on the to-do list. I think it'll really help even get some more, um, a little bit more comfort out of the front fork is bringing that rear end up, you know, putting a little more weight on that front tire. And I think it'll get a little bit better with the fork with having a stiffer spring in the rear for my weight. And some of you guys may be wondering, why don't you just raise the sag up? Go to
1: 105 to 104, you know, well... If the the if you're 210 pounds and you're you're trying to set your sag, you may not have any more spring to to twist in, right? So you can maybe get 105, 104. But what I've what I've no, what I've learned from my experience with these bikes, they really like sag set at 104 to 105. Only time I've ever went higher is on tracks uh, WP stuff track shock shock. I went to 103. That's kind of where I run it on my Rockstar edition, but the stock shock really likes has a happy place of 104 to 105. So if you guys out there listening, that's the reasons why we don't want to try to crank it in. Because then it upsets the ride attitude. It upsets rear wheel traction. So try to keep your sag set at the recommended OEM 105, 104 setting. And if you guys are wondering, where is my stock clickers? It's in your manual. Don't email me. About stock clickers. You guys bought the bike. It's in your manual. It's right there. Just that's what that manual's for, you know? And obviously, you guys should be able to get the app here within what's the date today? Been talking about this app for a year, the ninth. So, you should be able to get the app by the end of next week. That will be up. So, finally, that will have your stock clickers also in there. So, you guys are too lazy to read your OEM manuals. That's fine. Go buy my app. Let, you know, you're burn you know, burning money. Let's do it. Four ninety nine, it's not that bad. Um all right, so we covered some stuff, but also suspension, engine, chassis. Let's talk about a couple things that you brought up that need to be addressed, and then we're gonna go talk to more about four fifty, three fifty comparison. Okay. Things that you felt that need to be addressed on this bike. Sprocket so, bolts.
0: So yes, yeah, sprocket bolts are one. Um, not sure if it's a steel frame thing or the way these Austrians' motors vibrate, but uh, you do need to go around every now and then and just check bolts. Not saying you're going to ride the bike and all these bolts are going to fall out, and no, but every now and then check them. I had some sprocket bolts that backed off, and I had to tighten them. Two um, important spots on
1: on these bikes. Four. Yeah. If you have a steel frame four fifty or a three fifty, two fifty, not so much. I don't see it as much. Sprocket bolts spokes, and motor motor mounts. Yep, motor mount bolts. Those three points of your bike will back out. So blue Loctite is your friend.
0: You'll notice that in the manuals for these that uh, they require Loctite in almost every bolt on this bike.
1: Right. So what happens is, if I want to paint you guys a picture, steel frame new, steel frames stretch as time goes on way more than aluminum does. Again, I'm not an engineer. I don't know the properties of steel and aluminum, but... As that frame starts to stretch, those motor mounts, obviously, are going to flex, and they're going to just eventually loosen up. And you'll notice that right away. If you have a brand new one, within 10 hours, your motor mounts, either A, one bolt, usually the the top right one will be gone. I've had that happen on my bike several times. <laughs> and I, I come home, and you're loading your bike, you see a hole, and you're like, what the fuck? Sure shit, there it is. It's gone. So blue Loctite torque specs are your friend as well. Unlike aluminum where you just kind of snug them up, check your OEM manual, correct torque specs are important for not only not losing your bolts, but for the ride attitude of your bike.
0: Yeah, because they put a lot of engineering and torque specs on, on a lot of these bolts on, on all these bikes, so right. you don't want to over-torque or under-torque because it definitely could change the characteristics of that bike. So let me ask you this, vibration feeling compared to your Honda. I feel like when you first get on it, I'm like, holy crap, this thing vibrates. It's like right. a constant earthquake. You do a couple laps to get used to it, and you're fine. I jumped on my Honda. I'm like, wow, this thing vibrates. But I think between the Japanese brands and the Austrian, they both vibrate. I think they're just a different kind of vibration. Right. So when you jump off one to the other, you notice it. But then after a lap or two, you don't notice it at all.
1: So when we cover vibration, and let's talk about some triple clamps. Um, Husqvarna has this new hard part triple clamp that's on the Rockstar Edition. It's also on this um, FC350. It doesn't come with it, but Husqvarna want us to test it. We did. It doesn't increase rigidity. That's that's the benefit for this clamp. I don't want to compare it to X-Trix. So it probably be pissed off at me, but it looks similar. The technology looks similar the bolt patterns are a little bit different yep but the way the clamping surface is trying to achieve less binding looks familiar familiar to me so when i ride with this clamp the benefit is hey i don't get added rigidity and with this bike you don't want that because obviously you're dealing with vibration you're dealing with the stiffness feel and that will affect your straight line stability and just overall feeling on the bike and your wrists will hurt i'm getting older i don't want to harsh-feeling motorcycles. So these are coming on, the new Rockstar Editions. They work well. The lower torque spec is nice. It doesn't bind your fork. So they look cool. Straight up, I didn't like them at first when I first saw them. I like them. No, you do?
0: I like them. Okay.
1: It kind of grows
0: on me. It grew on you, and as soon as you said, "Ah, I don't know about that, I look at them like... I think they look badass. Really? You know, kind of like the KTMs. KTMs, you put the orange clamps on. The Husky, blue. They're anodized blue. They look sweet They just on the look like
1: Bulbasaur-like looking things at first. They look like overly fat.
0: I don't know. They, they look good to me, especially with the little fingers. You see a little bit of the uh, fork tube underneath. I, I like them. Okay.
1: Well, it's growing on me. I do think they look pretty nice. Um, obviously, they, they work well because... You guys hear me always talk about rigidity balance and when you go to a clamp to make sure you're not getting something rigid and really screwing up your bike. So this hard part clamp, as expected, and you you should expect this from coming from a a company that's putting their own marketing out there, right? This is their own clamp. They don't want to make it worse. So it's as good as stock. And when I say as good as stock, that's a win. Um, I don't know how you can really improve um, on getting a better clamp from the Husqvarna stock clamp because it's pretty damn good. Now, Slave Cylinder, Husqvarna makes different Slave Cylinders for this Hydraulic Clutch. For me, and I'll pass it on to you afterwards, see if you've noticed it, but I spent a lot of time on a stock Slave Cylinder Clutch. A lot of guys, I think MXA even says, I just put a Brembo unit on our 450s because the Magura one's not as good. I really don't have a problem with the Magura Slave Cylinder. I feel like it's less on and off than a Brembo on the KTM. The, the KTM is more on and off. Husqvarna has a different slave cylinder that utilizes some different parts inside. To me, it makes a little bit more linear, and I like that feeling. Also, Recluse makes one. I need to get back with you guys and see who makes Husqvarna's, but I know this hard part slave cylinder is less on and off than the current Magura unit. I don't have a problem with the current Magura, Magura unit, but just makes it more linear and gradual. I don't know how much time you spent on a stock Magura unit, but...
0: I didn't spend a lot of time besides our shootouts, 250, 450 shootouts, and it was a little on-off, on-off, where this unit was not quite on-off, like you said. I was able to, in corners, I can slip the clutch like a cable clutch, kind of really slip it, whether it be in or out, so I could really modulate it better, to me, I couldn't tell a world of a difference, but something I did catch my eye a little bit over what I remember from doing shootouts with you. Um, going from a stock muffler to an
1: FMF unit, uh, as you guys know, FMF is an advertiser here, but I'm just going to be completely transparent. For me, the stock system has more bottom end RPM response. Where the FMF is better is mid-range meat. You will get more mid-RPM response with an FMF full system. And for me... Top end is as good as a stock unit. So if you guys are looking for some more mid-range and and you want to compromise a little bit of bottom end, I'm not saying it's it's so bad you're going to be like, oh my God, I have no bottom end. But you will notice it's just slightly smoother acceleration and then you have this nice, meatier mid-range pulling power with this system. You spent some time on it. I did.
0: And? I felt like the FMF had a little more down low okay. when I first rode it. like Because I went back to back, went home, changed it, came back out. And I definitely felt like definitely the FMF in the middle, the meat of the power in the mid-range, it did pull a heck of a lot harder. Right. And But I felt like the FMF maybe signed off a little early, but that could be. Maybe I was shutting off the throttle a little early coming right. into some corners. So uh, a little bit better, but it wasn't like a world of a difference. Like you throw it on and you gain 10 horsepower. You know, it just – I didn't feel like it gave it any more power. I felt like it just moved it around maybe just a little bit. Yeah, it's tough to get horsepower nowadays with these, you know, manufacturers making
1: such great stock exhausts, honestly. And the stock exhaust note on the on the Husqvarna is pretty good. I don't really mind it. I think it it sounds good. The FMF, I prefer
0: an FMF sound. It sounds a little bit more throatier. And it wasn't loud. No. Even with the FMF, usually sometimes you throw the FMF on. You mm-hmm. like my Honda loud right and this it wasn't loud or obnoxious by any means with an fmf on there
1: and for you guys wondering insert or no insert i run no insert on that it runs better so again depends on which bike you have if you're running an insert or not this particular one same thing with an fc 450 i run no insert and again you look at the the mouth of the exhaust you're looking at that rear piece It looks big. You're like, oh, shit, it's going to sound like crap because it's so big, right? But no, like you said, it sounds really nice. It sounds like a throatier feel or sounds like a throatier sound. And also, again, RPM response from mid to top is, is a little bit better, almost like it cleaned up some of that FI feeling. Hey, what's up? Technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However... There is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Scosche. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to Scosche.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your Droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have... Huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just, I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. So founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic. You guys need to check them out, Skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Scosche develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Scosche finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of of homes, offices, vehicles, and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Scosche is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's scokt 25. Use that code when you go to Scosche.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. You won't ever get it. If you want to hit me up, Chris at KeeferInkTesting.com, I'll let you know more. But very cool guys over there. Thanks, Scosche. Scosche.com. ScreenPrintingDone.com. You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some T-shirts? Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being, and he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up. ScreenPrintingDone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer... That's right, Kiefer and ScreenPrintingDone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Have you guys checked out BloodLubricants.com? If you haven't, B-L-U-D Lubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike, Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in key testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. they got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code Kiefer and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right, they are on board with the com Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6DHelmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at Chris at KieferIncTesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets. Hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 6D. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex Piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons, In replica, high compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at vertexpistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, Chris, at com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. Vertexpistons.com Another thing I want to touch on is ECU setting because I know there was some problem with 450 ECU settings with KTM and Husqvarna. The 350 guys ha- doesn't have that same problem. I feel like they got the 350 setting pretty good. It's a little bit, for me, a little bit rich down low. But man, as far as decel pop, having it be lean on top like the 450, it doesn't have all that. I feel like stock ECU setting is just fine. Um, you guys wondering, you you email me say, hey, do I need a Vortex Ignition? You do not need that for a 350. Now, if you want more horsepower, Matt hasn't rode with one. I have on a 350. You want more bottom-in. You want more horsepower anywhere. A Vortex is huge. It's also a huge amount of money. It's probably $800 to $1,000. But if you're looking for more RPM response, bottom-in, mid, top-in, over-rev especially... A vortex does the job really well. It's crazy to think how much these four-strokes rely on ECU settings nowadays. And without even getting into the engine with these, especially the 350, it keeps the reliability up. You don't have to put break into your engine. Simply bolt on an aftermarket ECU and an a, you know FMF muffler or whatever you want, and you're going to see a drastic difference. If we're talking test numbers and the stock 350 is a three and then you bolt on a fmf and an ecu you're looking at like a 3.5 plus it's a big difference and we've done some of that testing um with other manufacturers with 350s and man we couldn't believe how much horsepower was gained with just an ecu but obviously you just spend 9k on your bike it's okay. That stock one is just fine. It doesn't run like shit. It won't hurt your cornering like the 450s do. So I just wanted to get that out there because I do get that question a lot. Now, moving on to some just nice finished things on this bike. Pro Taper handlebars. Yes. Are you a lock-on grip guy? Do you do you even notice lock-on grips?
0: I I at first I thought I did because when they first came out they were really stiff. Right. These ones on this bike are actually – they're very soft, and you know me. I like soft grips, soft, gummy-type grips, and no, I don't notice a difference, and the best part is I'm not shaving off freaking material to put new grips on, just Allen wrench or Torx, I mean, and off and on with new grips. Like I actually really like them.
1: So black throttle cam, that's still a go on this 350. Just know that. Uh, That's still a huge thing. The throttle pull is long, I think. I want to say, and don't quote me on this, I think 2020 we're going to see a different throttle cam from KTM and Husqvarna. So maybe they're waking up to what we've been saying and saying, okay, we've got to get a shorter throw and pull um, to kind of liven this power up because it just felt really disconnected when you have a gray throttle cam in there. So I don't mind an ODI grip. Uh, would I rather have glue-on grips? Absolutely. I just like that cushion. But like Matt said, they come in different compounds. There's like a gray compound which comes on like Rockstar Editions, and then you have this black compound. Both are pretty good. Yeah. And the wear is nice.
0: Yeah. You know, I wear my grips out usually on the outsides of my hands, and I think I've put mm, about eight hours on this bike now, you know, and, yeah, they're they're wearing great. So gearing on this
1: bike, I get a lot of questions about gearing. What should I do? Kiefer, you go to 1452 on your, your Husqvarna. Here's the deal. If you want some more added response down low, let's do the Jody. Add a tooth. Again, like I said, there is some clout to that. You can feel a difference with a tooth. Why doesn't Husqvarna do that in production? It could be a number of things. It could be how the rear end tracks. It could be how the the chassis handles with an extra tooth. Maybe they didn't like it in testing. So there's many reasons why. A manufacturer wouldn't do that just standard, and that's why we, the aftermarket, the consumer, do that ourselves. So do I need a tooth? No. I don't feel like I do, but for, the, for you guys that don't have rolling corner speed that, that good, um, and you need to work on some of that, I feel like adding a tooth to this bike will help that in the aspect of help rolling your corners and get you into third gear sooner. You rode with this bike. How's the gearing?
0: I love the gearing. You know, I don't think I would want to add that tooth and get that extra little bit of, you know, pop out of a corner because I think I might lose some of my corner ability doing that. You know, right now that's its best trait is just rolling through smoothly through the corner and then getting on the gas and it gets that power down to the ground. You know, you're not busy just spinning your wheels, you know, it gets that uh, power down to the ground. Excellent. Driving you to the next corner. Okay. So here's the question everyone wants to know. Hmm. What do you want? What do you like? You're
1: you're you're a, you're an average yeah. consumer. Average. Okay, consumer? let's say your Honda's gone, right? You yeah. sold your Honda off, which yeah. you have sold. He had two Hondas, but he sold one off to get his wife some boobs. <sighs> yes. I'm putting that out there right now. I'm God sorry. God bless America. Yep. So, Matt, that's how it's that's how it works. Hey, I gotta sell something to get something. So, wife wanted to tune-up. She wanted a to top end. Matt sold one of his Hondas. He's down to one bike, and now he's ridden this three hundred and fifty. Let's say you had to get rid of this a, Honda.
0: It's giving me a complex right now.
1: So what what would you would, – is a 350 in your future?
0: I honestly, I think it is. Okay. I mean, I've ridden a 450 for so long, and I think with a lot of people, it's almost like a man card thing. Okay. You go out with your buddies, everyone's on 450s, and you show up on a 350. Oh, you can't handle a 450? And I guess I used my how much I weigh as part of that. Like, ah, no, I got to have 450. And tell you the truth, I love this 350. I fell in love with it and honestly, probably a good I'd say ninety-eight percent chance I'm gonna buy a three fifty. Okay. You know, so, it's just such a good bike, easy to ride. My lap times are faster on yeah, it. Yeah, so
1: let's lay that out there right yeah. now. Do you have those notes with you? So yep. we had explain what you went what you went and did.
0: So I went out and uh, made a nice little turn track we went to this weekend. Yep. And so this morning hailing outside, but I was like, hey, let's go out here and do this. I took the uh, Husky out there, the 350. I did four to five laps on it, a couple warm-up, timed it, see what my times were, went back home, got my 450, came back, and did the exact same thing. Okay, And uh, yeah, I guess lap times don't lie, and I was uh, two to three seconds a lap faster on the Husky 350 every lap.
1: So I'll paint you guys a picture. The track um, has a lot of clay, some sand in it. Um, Obviously, it's great conditions because it's been raining here in Southern California. But lots of corners, a few straightaways to get on it. Um, There is some tight sections, but also just a good mix of open and tight stuff. Mostly uh, all ruts. It's just like I said, it's like a grass track. So what I wanted Matt to do, I wanted him to ride both back-to-back and to see what his lap times were on the clock, but also to see what you felt like afterwards. So you did those four laps. I Were did. you, you know, more tired riding the bigger bike?
0: I was. Okay. I was definitely got more forearm pump because I was tensed up, and you are dealing with more weight, whether it feels like it or not. And I definitely, after the second lap, I was a lot more pumped up forearm pump. With 350, I wasn't. I could win another four or five laps. And I just, because I was so much smoother, it was less taxing on me. And I thought I was going to be faster on the 450 for one reason. I mean, that thing just. So much power And that's still down makes the you happy to
1: ride it, right? Like, oh, as soon
0: as I got on it, yeah. and I got on it and feeling all that power, I had a smile on my face and went, yeah I miss this thing. Right. I miss it. Maybe I do want a 450 right. again. And then as soon as I got to the track and started throwing it in corners and screwing some corners up, I thought with having that 450 pull in the straightaways, I could screw some corners up and still be closer, maybe faster. And that wasn't the case. So,
1: 350... 350- serves a purpose, okay? And and I guess I really wanted to get that out there as far as, look, if you're going to Glamis and you're riding the desert and you're doing wide-open shit, of course, maybe that 350 isn't right for you. If you're a guy that likes to ride off-road, Matt, if you guys like to uh, ride motocross, Matt, and do some hybrid type of riding and go race, wants to be competitive and maybe not in the best shape, Matt. Round is a shape. Okay, so 350 is a logical choice. There is enough engine for you to have fun. And let's say it doesn't have enough engine, but yet the lightweight feel and the handling can make up for that gap. Yes. So this is what I'm trying to say. Would I go buy a 350? No, because I want the power. I can deal with the weight. I accept that. Like, I ride better when I have more
0: available to me. For you, too much is not a good thing. Exactly. And what do we talk about track sometimes? Matt, jump that. Jump. You got 450 cc's. What do I say? Eh, I'm only using 300 of those cc's, though. <laughs> right. And and it's the truth. I mean, perfect example is Sunrise. There's yep. a lot of big jumps there. I love having the 450 because I can screw a corner up and I can clear everything. Well, to 350... I improve my corner speed and I still have plenty of grunt to get over every jump at sunrise and do it comfortably too I don't feel like I have to rail that corner to jump anything I can kind of screw it up and I still have that torque yes I'm getting on the gas a lot harder than I would my 450 but more than enough power and more enough power and I can stay on it longer and do longer motos without fatigue on myself look I'm hard I'm I'm a Difficult friend to be around. Always
1: on the clock. It's, we always, there's always a purpose when I go to a track. Like, I like to have a purpose when I ride. I'm not at the age yet where I just want to go have fun and go trail ride. I I hope to God I get there one day because it bugs the shit out of me sometimes. I'm like, I just want to go ride and just chill. I can't. I got to do something, right? So when I watch Matt, of course, there's some, not gnarly pressure, but I'm like, hey, I want you to improve. I want you to improve. Like, if he told me, like, hey, I don't really give a shit, Chris. I don't want to improve. I just want to ride. I'd back off. But he's not that way. So I view and watch his riding. And just what I view, and I don't know if I told you this, it just kind of opens up your riding a little bit. You're so locked in on your 450 to, to line, and you stay in that fucking line all the time, and it drives yes. me mental. Okay? He'll go wide to jump a jump. I go, dude, you don't need to go wide on the damn jump. Just stay inside, <laughs> and you could jump that some bitch, and you're fine. No, no, I want to just go outside. Okay. Well, 350, now the dude has less power, but yet now he's going inside. And then to set up for the next corner, he's, like, going from right to left. On the 450, that never happened. It never happened. Like, I was behind him. We were doing motos. He went wide. And on the landing, the good line is to start to go left. So he started from the right on the face of the jump and then cut left to get on the inside of the landing. The shit never happened on the 450. I tell so, you, I feel more comfortable. It opens up the track for yes. you. That's yes. how I feel like when I watch you ride.
0: Yeah, I, it's nice knowing, having confidence that, hey, I can I can roll through that inside rut, whether it be deep or burmy or whatever it be. I can actually, or I can start outside. I can pivot inside. That's all the stuff with that lighter feel, and the more comfortable you are on a bike, the better you ride. Right. And instead mm-hmm. of being tense on, okay, what's the bike going to do? You know, Is it going to step out? Is it going to? I'm, you know, I, I don't want to do that inside because I'm, I'm going to dab a foot. I'm going to screw it up, you know. With the 350, I'm just so comfortable on the way it corners, how light it is, and not having too much power, you know, rolling through corners. It's great, you know. It just o- opens up a whole different aspect right. of the track to And me. you still have fun, and you maybe even more fun on this thing. Oh, yeah. I, have, I feel like a little less pressure, you know, because I'm not thinking as
1: much. So here's the deal, guys. Yes, for the top professionals, elite athletes, of course, 350s are not. The Shorty experience didn't go well when Shorty rode a 350. Why? Because he needed every ounce of engine. Most of you guys listening, I would say 98% of you listening to this, don't need 450ccs of power. Um, unless you're a glamorous guy, off-road, desert kind heron hound guy. I get it. Like, or bragging rights. Yeah, it's, it's, so if you have 350ccs, that's plenty of power. And if you wanted more, that's available. That's the thing I'm trying to get to you guys. Engines are easier to make better than chassis is to make better. It's tough to get suspension and chassis improvements than it is to get engine improvements. So, A-level guys, Loretta guys, maybe, okay, 450s. If you're a B, C-level guy, beginner rider, 350s are great. And I think there, it serves a purpose. We don't talk about them enough. Chris Blows was up my ass this whole freaking last year. But when you're gonna do 350 tests, Blah 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 blah. Well, here you go. Here's a 350 test. And it's like I said, I am not all in. But this this
0: podcast isn't about me. I am not the average listener. You guys are. You yeah. are. And I'm all in. If I didn't ride one, I would have never opened my eyes up to 350. He right. said, it's a man thing. Oh, 450. Power, power, that ah, That should ah, be 210 know? pounds. That's yeah. what you think you need. Yeah. And then what made me open my eyes a little bit is riding the 250s. I'm like, man, just a little bit more power. This could be money. And now that I've gotten to ride one, and a lot of people don't get to ride one. Like you say, a lot of people aren't doing a lot of podcasts or things on them. But, man, there's no hand in your man card with a 350. You know, you, you're you going to go out there, and if not, you're going to gain one when you're passing your buddies on a 450. Right. and. It's just the fun
1: factors there. You'll be able to do more things. You might be able to open up your corners. You might just be able to have more fun. So listen to this podcast. I'm glad you guys did. And we're going to put up an article, put some settings up. We'll kind of reiterate some things about what we talked about here just in case uh, your buddies don't like podcasts and you want them to listen, but they won't. But hey, we'll we'll do an article. That's what we do here. And we're going to try to get more time on this thing for those of you guys listening to this. And wonder about durability. How many hours are on this thing? Do we know?
0: 25 now.
1: So there's 25 hours, 25 on, there. I'm hours gonna try, on it. Now. I'm going to try really hard to let Husqvarna, um, to ask Husqvarna to let us ride this thing. And try to get past 50 hours. And we're not going to touch it. Yeah. We're going to leave it alone. How it is. Ride it. Gas. Oil changes. Yep. Sprockets. Chains. Just ride it. Just see what it does. Basic
0: maintenance that the average Joe's going to be doing to their bike. I
1: feel like Husqvarna and KTM have a stigma about, oh, they're they're not as reliable as a Yamaha. We're going to try to get that answer, either good or bad, yes or no. I'm yeah. not scared to say, hey, yeah, it is a piece of shit, and it, it took a shit at 30 hours. Yeah. So that will, we'll let
0: you guys know that. Yeah, we're putting out. I mean, look at your KTM. You just did a long haul on. I mean, and you can attest how roach that thing is. i I keep begging you to let me take it on like hey let's uh let's do something to this thing you're like nope it's durability it's it is what it is we need to put some hammer this thing
1: i don't get fresh shit all the time there is sometimes i will take a bike and be like hey because you guys out there wonder about durability so i just ride it i pour gas in it um god bless the ktm guys i'm gonna have to take this bike back because i mean i went 14 hours on this engine oil just to see yeah, and you, you
0: get plenty of guys. Look at the guy who sent you guys the pictures of the wheels. There's plenty of guys out there that don't maintenance. They don't and do shit. They don't they, check sag. They yeah, don't do nothing. Don't do anything. So it's nice to know that, hey, if they are going to throw down the money, that, hey, I don't have to oil change every two hours. Like, eh, if I went a little long, right. the stuff's still going to survive. So, hey, you guys got any
1: more questions, hit me up. Chris at com. I will do my damnness to answer all of your stuff. I usually – I'm looking at my emails right now and I'm getting them on the weekend, which ah, sometimes I answer them, sometimes I don't on the weekend, but I'm ninety-eight percent sure that I will get back to you if it's a fair question. If it's a question of, yo, what's the setting on 2017 KTM 350 SXF? I might not answer you because you sound like a dick. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. I just got other shit I could do. So
0: um if you have burning that. questions that you need answered, I will, I will really try my hardest. And most of the time I'm over here, you're answering people's questions that they email you. So,
1: yeah. so yeah. you don't get that with other media outlets. That's why we're here. That's why we're here to help you guys. That shit's not available and it, until now. So uh, com. Go read. Go learn. Go laugh. Podcast. Tell your buddies. Thanks for listening, Vaj. Thanks. Am I 1C? <sighs> We know who 1A is. Michael Allen and Dom are pretty good, dude. Uh, Well, we know who 1A is. Here's the deal. If you had, you have mechanic skills, right? Michael has mechanical skills
0: too. He's too far away.
1: But Dom, I don't think is mechanical as you two. Yeah. So if you improved. And I'm trying. On your writing. Yes. It could be close. Yeah. But Michael Allen's a better writer. He is. So let's say you just nailed the
0: writing. It'd be close. I'm just saying, if we have one A, one B, right now I'm one C. One C, yeah. One Z. You're not like 7F. I I could be (laughs) 7F behind the scenes.
1: All right, thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. We're going to probably do a podcast on this 50-hour orange thing that's out in the garage. I'm going to let you guys know all about that. So if you're interested, email me. And if you're not interested, I might just do it anyway. Later.